Hello and welcome to another live edition of What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley. With me tonight is Father William Jenkins. Also joining us is our uh, prominent pro-life attorney friend, Mr. Tom Condon, a great friend of the program. So, Father Jenkins and Mr. Condon, welcome to the program. Great Thank to have you, Tom. Yes. yes. How are you doing there? Great. Great to see you both. Great Good. to have you back. Time to see you again. Yes. Good Thank you, guys. Welcome back. It's been a little, little while. Too long. But uh, it's always a bad sign when I'm here. <laughs> That's true. Well, we just uh, we just recently passed the the two year anniversary of the uh, January sixth uh, so called insurrection. As you know, the uh, the House Select Committee just I think a few weeks ago published their uh, their report after uh, after spending all this time looking into this. Um, but there's been so much that has come out. Um, so much information, so much misinformation, so many things that we've heard about this uh, this January 6th uh, e event. So we wanted to have you on, Mr. Condit, just to kind of get your perspective on what you've heard, um, what what you can, can verify is true. I know you don't um, want to give all the details, but you have, um, you know, do, do have some uh, some relation to some of this that, that, is, that has been taking place here. And so we wanted to really just get your perspective, professional perspective on uh, what you think actually happened on uh, on January sixth, and and where we stand with that um, with that process now, with everything that's happened with the select committee's report and everything else. Right. Well, thank you. The, I mean, the, my perspective based on I mean, everyone's looking at the same news by and large. I think, um, but I have I have friends and longtime clients, activists who were out there, yeah. and one of them has been charged, and that's what I. Yeah. can't speak a great I don't want to speak any detail about that but my my perspective on the thing as a whole is that look I had one I had one client um, first first rate guy knows how to conduct himself in public okay <laughs> and is a real leader and he called me about a week afterwards he said everything you're seeing on the news is just such a distortion he said this was the most peaceful joyous prayerful group group uh, assembly of people I've ever known in 30 years of activism. So that's a statement of, guy, of a guy who didn't know what was going on on the other side of the building. Okay, <laughs> He had gone to the Trump speech, marched down with everyone else. He said it was just as patriotic and inspirational as any place he'd ever been. Mm. So, you know, you're talking about such large numbers of people that anything's possible, right? Um, so things did get out of hand. I absolutely do believe there was FBI infiltration and, and gunning things up. And but legally, from the step from the standpoint, coming from the perspective of someone who, when I was coming out of law school, was the uh, good old days of Operation Rescue and clinic blockades and a lot of lot of big group demonstrations. Um, I, you know, rules of, there's rules of law and First Amendment principles that have, that have developed really dating back to the civil rights, the, the black civil rights movement of the 50s, 60s, into the 70s. And uh, I just don't see the same, from everything I'm seeing, I just don't see the same rule of law applying, certainly to the January 6th, uh, I'll use the word protesters, um, this, the rule, same rule of law isn't applying and I will tell you, one of the most, maybe the singular most disturbing thing to me uh, is the number of people that it, that were, well, it's really two points, denied bail, mm. which is a constitutional right, right? And 
and without a trial date. I mean, where's, where's the right to a speedy trial? Where did that go? And sometimes it can be waived, and I mean, every individual case can be lawyered differently. But when you've got, in one case, I know that one specific ground cited by a D.C. Ju judge for denying bail to someone was that he had publicly spoken against the integrity of the elections. And that that made him, that made him more dangerous, uh, that he couldn't be let out. Now understand, the, the, the only purpose of bail, or what they call setting bond, it only has one purpose under the law, to make sure the person shows up for trial. It's not punishment. Uh, the reason that there's judicial discretion on that is Depending on the individual, does it, where does he live? You know, is, is he even an American? Is he from outside the country? Does he have the money to flee? These are these are the kinds of things that a judge has to take into account. He just wants to make sure the person comes back. And you got ordinary Amer Americans from all over the United States who showed up. And I mean, how, you know, I mean, how do you prove the future? How do you prove what you're gonna do? I mean, it, it take it. You know, the judges have to be reasonable and fair and use a sense of reality on this but for people from for for americans who are employed bedrock in their community wherever they whether it's from southern california to the tip of maine how do you prove to a judge you're gonna show up um, so that takes that's where judicial discretion comes in but to expressly state that a reason that that bail should be denied is because you're you're you don't believe in the the integrity of the election that has nothing to do with whether someone's going to show up for trial, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and so, so there's literally, and I've, I've heard, you know, we've all heard solitary confinement. I mean, this is really first-class, hardcore communist abuse of political dissent. It's hard to characterize it any other way than that. So, and that's, I guess I could, we all could keep going, I guess, but that's my initial blush on it is that, and, and then the other thing is that I am, because I am, uh, you know, peripherally involved in the the uh, the defense of, of at least one of my longtime clients that's a rather re recent charge and it's kind of early in that process. Um, um, just understanding what's happened in terms of First Amendment grounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, not everybody's guilty. <laughs> There's a lot of people went there to exercise free speech, free assembly. We want to persuade our legislators. Right? We, we, there's a First Amendment right to be there and to do a lot of shouting and hollering, for that matter. And um, what's happened to the First Amendment in this, and, and the group guilt, really. I mean, when I talk, when I go back to the days of the pro-life activism, not that it's ended, but back when it was in its hottest moments, maybe for 10 or 15 years, I thought group guilt was everywhere. Everybody's guilty. You're all, you're all in on this. And that's what I'm seeing again now, the way they're treating a lot of the people that they're charging uh, for, obstruct, for example, obstructing an official proceeding. That's, that's the one, from what I can tell, that the Justice Department wants that conviction on people. I think it's for that narrative that the Trump supporters were trying to disrupt the certification of the election. They're really hot on that charge. And for people that never even got inside the building, never intended to go inside the building. How did they disrupt an official proceeding? Uh, I don't even know what time of, what hours of the day the pr official proceeding was going on. They shut it down at some point. Um, 
the politics are all over this thing. Well, Tom, that raises a question. Uh, well, a, a couple of questions. One of them, uh, do you consider those who are being uh, held now as political prisoners? I understand that as of January 6th, there were at least, what, whatever it was, 978 people actually uh, charged, right? And uh, it looks as though they want to try to find and, and charge another 350 people. Mm -hmm. They haven't been able to track down yet with their, uh, from camera mm -hmm. surveillance, mm -hmm. I guess. <clears throat> 978 people, I mean, almost 1,000 people, that's at least that many. By January sixth, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, and so um, you know, if they're being held without bail, and they're being held without charge, right? Um, would you consider them political prisoners? I understand from what Tom said that some of them have actually asked to be transferred to Gitmo. Mm -hmm. Right, I've, I've read that. Too. Yeah, yeah, they said that's yeah. apparently how, how bad it was in the Washington D.C. Right, the, the conditions were really yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think they've been held without charge. I mean, they, if they're arrested, okay. they've been charged. But no trial. Date. But no, no trial date. And and the and the other the other now and I got to say from my perspective as a lawyer, my work in criminal law has been a relatively small slice of of what I've done through thirty three years, uh, and the kind of the heavy felony type stuff is not. So I'm not like a heavy duty criminal law mm -hmm. guy, but I've did my share of the lower level stuff um um and um i mean i'm sorry i lost my thought there <laughs> it's okay we were talking about the, the dc prisons yeah. and them uh, um they, yeah. they were actually charged but they haven't right um, I mean, what no constitutes uh, being a political prisoner these right days? um i'm sorry this it'll come back the specific <laughs> song I, I lost it okay um, well it's there's a lot to this yeah. <laughs> yes what why do you, why do you think though um that uh as as father said one of the articles i think this was back in october that this came out that there were um dozens and, and dozens of these these pr these prisoners in uh in the dc prisons that uh just reading through this report that i guess they had they had put out i think this was from uh, nbc news they um they, these complaints that these prisoners filed just um absolutely terrible describing the the conditions right. there they said they were they were constantly subject to just all kinds of um verbal and physical abuse they're um they're 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 it's just horrible they said they, they would find worms in their food yeah. um, were totally malnourished um just even in solitary confinement in, 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 so, it sounds like something out of a, a third world country almost and i mean but but do, do the charges justify that well, nothing justifies it. That, that, that's unconstitutional. You wouldn't be allowed to have done that to Charles Manson. But that's happening, yeah. right, in yeah. Washington, yeah. D.C. Yeah. No, I mean, prison conditions can be so bad that it's, it's unconstitutional. It can be, you know, unusual, you know, cruel and unusual punishment to be yeah. held in certain conditions. So, no, it, it's blatant. It's public. And, um, uh, you know, I, I don't... I. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. Um, you know, there are, I don't want to be out of, out of line here, but <laughs> you know me. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of really good, powerful, and that do great work, like Christian civil liberties, uh, legal organizations around mm -hmm. the country. And I'm not going to start naming some because I won't name them, end up naming them all. They all deserve a lot of credit. I'm disappointed that somehow collectively they haven't come together, had a press, and I've worked with a lot of them on a case here and there, you know, 
why they haven't had a press conference on the steps of, of Capitol Hill or on the steps of the Supreme Court and demanded that the judiciary in Washington, D.C. start complying with the U.S. Constitution. You know, I mean, the PR value of something that would be, would I think, be strong. Because it's, it's deliberate. I mean, there, I mean I, I, in my life, I know, I know the cases I've had where the injustice was deliberate. Yeah. The, the, the judges were not going to do the right thing in certain cases. I know it. And, uh, I'm, I mean, you, can, you know, for example, just reading their decisions, going, say, against the Christian activists, and all the important facts of the case that absolutely demand that the First Amendment protections be there, they're just left out of the opinion. Someone reading it just sees criminals. They don't see First Amendment activity. And that's deliberate when a judge leaves the key facts out of his opinion. Yeah. So I, I know what it smells like, okay? <laughs> and, and this is deliberate injustice happening in D.C. Do you think what, that's why one of the reasons why these, these Christian groups aren't getting together? Because they kind of almost view it as a lost cause, maybe? Don't, don't know. Are they intimidated? What, the, uh, yeah. Threatened? Yeah. I, I, I would be speculating. Mm. But... Meanwhile, I thought about what I was, I forgot about five minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it would come back. Um, as far as just basic criminal procedure and what's happening in D.C., um, you know, discovery. There is, there are rules of criminal procedure that set the grounds for discovery. And I think part of the national dialogue back when a number of things were going on with Trump and not some other criminal things, um, it's just in the last couple of years, you heard people talk about Brady material. Brady is a case name. And the Brady principle says the government must turn over to the, to the criminal defendant any evidence they have that could be favorable to him, favorable to his defense. Now, for some reason, the judges in the D.C. courts have allowed the Justice Department to withhold from production thousands and thousands of hours of video from inside the building. And they claimed it was, you know, national security and other reasons that would be if it was released. But I, I can't imagine how that's justified. I mean, if, if there's people that were in the building and they're accused of crimes for what happened when they're in the building, <laughs> How in the world the video from inside the building can't can be withheld from them? How do you, how do you prepare a defense? Mm -hmm. You don't know what you don't have. So that, that's just another example of ju justice gone awry. No, no. Uh, McCarthy says he's of a mind to release that footage. Right. That that is right. That's a very good political development. And mm -hmm. although I'm not, um, you know, I don't think McCarthy as the Speaker of the House has authority to cut against a, a judicial right. order. So right. I'm not so he may be talking about releasing things that aren't other uh, that aren't under judicial protection. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but right all that stuff should come out. There's no reason uh, it, there's no reason legally and there's no reason politically. In fact, it's probably political reasons that it's not coming out. Mm -hmm. Because one of the real overriding themes that you see again and again is that the the, the FBI set this up <laughs> The feds infiltrated this. They were agitators. They infiltrated groups like the Proud Boys and some of the others and were urging them to unlawful conduct. Now, if the government is the one urging the lawlessness, how in the world do they get to prosecute those who 
get sucked yeah. into that and follow it. That's just awful. But the way they're treating the prisoners, I think, is an indication of, uh, well, I think it just solidifies the case there. When, when word got out that uh, Trump was going to hold a rally uh, on January 6th, um, I, I was discouraging people to, from going because I feared a trap. I think the Democrats certainly uh, are dangerous. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, right, has uh, some hand in all this. We know mm -hmm. she has a part in this. Uh, I'd refer to her as Nancy Periculosi, you know, which uh, Nancy the Dangerous, uh, actually. And uh, I, I do consider her to be uh, dangerous in her whole approach <clears throat> and uh, would not find in any way uh, uh, that I think of her as being in any way above setting a trap like that. And I won't ask you for your opinion, Tom, although you might be willing to give it. I don't know. <clears throat> but in any case, um, it, it just amazed me that um, people didn't, didn't see danger in this beforehand, <clears throat> including Donald Trump. And um, that um, even after it happened, that there were Republicans who were crying out that our democracy was in, imperiled by this terrible insurrection and this was a, a violation of, you know, the, the people's house and all the rest, as though they didn't realize that this had been orchestrated. Um, but I'm convinced it was orchestrated, personally, anyway. Uh, do you have an opinion on that that you can't express? Well, no, I think it was, well, we know that Trump offered to bring in reinforcements of the National Guard, and Pelosi said, no, we don't need it. We don't want it. She was the one yeah. ultimately responsible. Yeah, yeah. I, I, believe, I believe that's right, uh, for sure. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have any doubt about who orchestrated it. I think, uh, speaking for the people that showed up, or and, and maybe that was really imprudent to go ahead and show up, but I can stand in the shoes, just even as a non-lawyer, stand in the shoes of someone who went, Mm -hmm. thinking, look, I'm just going to go stand around. I'm not mm -hmm. going to commit any crime. Mm -hmm. I want to see what's going on. I want to lend my support. Uh, I'll just hang around outside the building or in the crowd, whatever. I mean, that's, this mm -hmm. is America. That's supposed to be lawful. And I think one of the, um, to, to get specific about one type of offense that's been charged, again, people, you know, those who entered the building, you know, that was like, that's being treated as a big no-no. That's entering a restricted area. But there was video, I mean, the first week after January 6, two years ago, of, of the Capitol Police opening the doors, yeah. waving people in and shaking their hands as they're coming in. Mm -hmm. And the people that, I mean, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure there's people who showed up, maybe indifferent, not whether they were going to even want to go into the building or not. But the opportunity was there. They were waved in. They th I can say, hey, I've never been in here before. But, you know, the reports are there and they're snapping pictures of some of the portraits and they're tourists. Yeah. And they go home and four months later, they're ferreted out by the FBI and charged with a crime for going into restrictions. Well, the pictures That's even how, showed them walking between the stanchions with the, the ropes. Yeah, they, were just, they, they literally were you know. tourists mm -hmm. and shaking hands with the police officers and taking pictures with them. Mm. And you know that's just that, that's corrupt beyond words to do, to to, uh, to to say now. Ah, guess what? That mm -hmm. when when you were welcomed in by the Capitol <clears throat> Police, that, that was a crime.
We don't see any of that on, on the news, though. I remember um, just a matter of days after this happened, we saw, I think we might have even just briefly referenced it on the on the show, just a matter of days after this happened, we saw same similar videos where, um, maybe not the, not the doors of the Capitol themselves, but the, some of the barricades around it, where you could see police officers coming over, moving the, the, the barricades and waving people yeah. on, as you say, waving them in. But how, how does this make sense where we see two totally different and, and contradictory stories here where, you know, the, what, what you're saying here, where we, you know, they're kind of being waved in, they're shaking hands with the, with the, with the police officers, but yet on uh, the mainstream story and the, the things that we see uh, on the, the mainstream news is that uh, it was utter chaos. We had these, these wild, um, crazy insurrectionists who were ready to burn down the Capitol um, just just to two totally different stories. What? How does that happen? Well, well one reason is is that there were t maybe ten different realities out there because depending on what side of the building you were on, yeah. I mean, I, I know Epoch Times came out some months ago with, with a good study on it, and I just <clears throat> within the last seven days, one of the websites I look at had a had a, a reporter. A reporter that had filmed a lot on his phone. I, I think he kept it to himself until yeah. he finally released it on Twitter last week. And part of what he showed, he was on a side of the building with a lot of people out there. Nothing happening, no violence, a lot of people. And suddenly these flash grenades or whatever they call them are being shot into the peaceful crowd by Capitol Police up on the up on the buildings. And one guy near the reporter, his clothes caught on fire from one of these. Yeah. Now, wh what is going what is going on with the Capitol Police launching I guess they're intended to disperse a crowd. But the, the reporter said nothing was going on. It was all just peaceful and people were talking. So that's ha that's happening I and mean, people on the other side of the building have no idea that's happening. And I know one of the um I know one of the, I, I know someone who, um, part of the evidence was that he, somebody came up and said, hey, we need help over on the west, over on the west side. And some people responded and went with him. And that, that maybe has been, was construed as some kind of criminal intent or conspiracy to go, I mean, but, but that could have meant anything. I, a, a lot of people, sh I know a lot of people showing up uh, I heard and read through the two years of this now, is that they, they, they anticipated that, you know, Antifa and Black Lives Matter would be there causing all kinds of agitation. And they intended to go to try to help control that kind of thing and to defend the peace-loving patriots and all that. Mm -hmm. they, they knew there would be trouble, and they went to try to help with that. And so, for example, if someone comes and says, hey, we need help on the West Side, I mean... He, he could have thought any number of reasons of why they needed help. Maybe somebody was down. Maybe there was people were hurt. Uh, and yet just responding to that call was deemed to be, well, part of a conspiracy. What's the theory behind the flash grenades? Was this an attempt to incite violence? Well, you're laying that at the feet of the Capitol Police because they're the ones that did it. So I think the idea behind the weapon itself is crowd control or crowd disbursement why they were shooting it into a crowd where there was nothing going on and no violence is one of the big questions. But, you know, you were more or less asking about the media. What, what do we do about the, you know, the, the differing media? Yeah. What's well, basically the censorship, right? I mean, if anything we learned from, thanks to Elon Musk taking over, I mean, the, the planned censorship with the government 
and social media. That's really maybe the scandal of the year. That mm-hmm. that because uh, they all along we were hearing, well, they're private companies; they can have their own rules on who they censor. Now it turns out, conspiracy with the government. That was government censorship. And so, yeah, that's why uh, that's why you know so much of the true story is is not coming out. I I've said a number of times. Love Trump or hate Trump, America should forever be grateful to him for coining that phrase fake news because <laughs> it's really a demeaning phrase to lay on a professional journalist. Mm-hmm. But thank God Trump laid that out there and got it part of the national dialogue because we now, now we really do understand how much of the news is fake. Mm-hmm. Well, part of that news is uh, that five Police officers uh, lost their lives in the line of duty defending the Capitol against the, the so-called insurrections, which is not true. Right. And uh, actually, the only ones who lost their lives were Trump supporters, beginning with Ashley Babbitt, right? Yes. And I think that was even ruled a homicide. I think it was even ruled a homicide, but there'll be no charges leveled against the, the man who uh, actually pointed the gun and shot her in the neck. And yeah, the, the reckless police officer who did that. I mean, you right. know, he had the history of once leading his, leaving his loaded gun, gun in, in a men's room in mm-hmm. the Capitol. Um, this, this was a reckless, sloppy <clears throat> police officer. Mm-hmm. And, boy, he came out of this unscathed, didn't he? Well, more than unscathed, they, he was given kind of VIP treatment, actually. For shooting a woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does that happen that there, he was... There, it was ruled a homicide, but there were no charges. That's what I recall. I think read. I, I could be wrong, but I, I think that's true. Um, so yeah, how does how does it work? How does that work? Um, you know, part of this the, the big picture is that it reminds me of what Father Bicelli, the Jesuit priest, Father Vincent Bicelli, said to us. He was teaching us a seminar class at the Angelicum in Rome <clears throat> one year, and he. He just announced during class, you know, this is the age of the big lie. The big lie. It's not just, uh, you know, a bunch of little lies. This is the age of big, bold lies, you know. And uh, ever since he said that, it's kind of, it seems that day after day, year after year, we're proving that he, he saw that right. It's the age of the big lie. And, of course, the big lies are told by... Uh, very powerful people who who control, uh, gain their control over others and maintain that control by lying and uh, convincing people to just lie to themselves so often that they begin to believe the lie themselves. It's sort of like the, the vaccination, vaccination question with people getting myocarditis and, uh, you know, the athletes dropping, dropping, uh, uh, a cold, out cold uh, in the playing field, or even dying in the playing field. <clears throat> and, of course, the chorus goes up immediately, it's not the vax, it's not the vax, it's not the vaccine, it's not the vaccine. And you all have to join in, and you all have to cry out and with one voice, it's not the vaccine, it's not the vaccine, it's not the vaccine. How long do you have to say that? How many times do you have to say it until you believe it? You're saying it until you believe it. And so it is. The, the, it's the age of the big lie. Or if it falls short of that... It is that you simply have to be satisfied, not knowing and not asking the question why this perfectly healthy 17-year-old cheerleader dropped dead. Mm -hmm. You have to just accept that it's a sad event. Everyone misses her. She was a joy to everyone in her life. Mm -hmm. But we are not going to talk about what killed her. Mm -hmm. It's just officially unexpected and unexplained. 
And that's all there is to that's it, all. right? There's no known cause for this yes. happening, right? Yes. Uh, it's true. Yeah, no, an no answers and no questions allowed. <clears throat> yeah, well, that sounds like a press conference. <laughs> the president's press conference. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's what happens when you reject, ultimately, the, the, the truth of faith. When you reject the truth of faith, everything else follows. There's nothing is real anymore. It's what you imagine it to be. Or what the dictator wants you to imagine it to be, right? You're living in a house of mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors at that point. That's, that's kind of the world and the society in which we're living right now, right? But it comes down to ultimately a rejection of, of the true faith in our Lord. Uh, it's, it's so sad to see people just wandering out there completely lost. They don't even know who they are anymore. They don't even know whether they're male or female anymore. They don't even know what it is to be a human being anymore. Well, once you lose track, uh, once you lose belief in the soul, then what is a human being without belief in the soul? And a soul created in the image of God and by grace and the very likeness of God. What is left of humanity at that point? That's the situation they've reduced us to right now. Anyway, it's kind of the big picture. It's kind of the big picture. Yeah, uh, Mr. Anna, what what uh, what would you say should be our, our biggest takeaway from this uh, whole January sixth ordeal? What what lesson should we learn from this? <laughs> if you could narrow it down to one. <laughs> well, as a guy who's done a lot of First Amendment law and represented protesters all these years, uh, my lesson is not to stay away from these things. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think, I think a lot of the, I think that event had Amer a lot of Americans over the target. Yeah, they were over the target. They, they, this whole election fraud and everything. I'll tell you. That uh, my how I've always felt personally, you know. Uh, it's okay. You can say we're not on YouTube when, anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I get to edit this, right? <laughs> yeah. oh. mm. you, you know, people have said this, um, and I thought it before I heard anyone said it. The people running our government, they need to be afraid. They need to be afraid of us, right? I mean, we are so many trillion dollars in debt. They have created such a depraved country. Even local school boards, the depravity of these people that have been brought into the, and what they're doing to schools with the transgenderism and the father, the kind of things you mentioned, they need to fear us, right? Now, the mere fact that I would say that, if I went to a school board and said that, I'd probably be walked out in handcuffs. They need to fear us. And the idea that Nancy Pelosi on January 6, 2021, and, and some of these other people were like kneeling under their desks afraid, I am absolutely delighted by that image. They need to be afraid of the people. <clears throat> and that January 6th... And, and why is that? Then? Because, because they're the very kind of people that will put all of us in concentration camps as soon as they can. Mm -hmm. They just know they can't yet because too many Americans still have guns. Mm -hmm. But I, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Adam Schiff... <clears throat> These people would put us in concentration camps the moment they think they got the power to do it. I think that's how far gone the country is. It's yeah. communism. I mean, communism means mass murder. That's what follows. 
mass murder of the population follows communism. That's where I believe we're at in this country. Hope I didn't go beyond the scope of this show, but well, that, actually, that, uh, that's, uh, that drives a lot of my commentary on Tom, I, I agree with you. I completely agree with you because I, th I think they are totalitarian-minded people, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, this, this is ultimately what, what they'd like to achieve. Um, I'd like to know your thoughts about this, though. I, I have a suspicion, okay? <clears throat> I have a lot of suspicions, but this is one of them. <laughs> that Pelosi actually saw an opportunity. I wonder if the Democrats were actually afraid that on the, on the floor of the, it, it's like a bicameral, I mean, it, it, the Senate and the, and the, in the House, right? Uh, senators and congressmen were meeting together to certify this vote, right? Right. Uh, the election, the two, 2022 election, right? And uh, there was talk about uh, Republican congressman standing up and objecting, right? Right. And I wonder if the Democrats were afraid that the the Republic that the election might not be certified, and that's why they found it necessary to figure out, okay, how do we how do we disrupt that proceeding and make sure it goes our way. I, I wonder if the Democrats actually were were afraid, as you say, that they were not going to get that 20, 000, uh, 2022 election certified because there were Republican congressmen who had pledged that they were going to object and that they actually baited this trap here for everybody <clears throat> to disrupt the proceedings <clears throat> so that everyone could come back and say, oh my goodness, look what happened. Isn't this terrible? Our democracy is in peril. We have to know. I mean, even even some of the congressmen who were threatening, as it were, to object to the election came back, you know, after the four hours it took to quell this mm. this fake insurrection. <clears throat> and they, they were wringing their hands and saying, oh, my goodness, you know, what, what almost happened here? Uh, and uh, we better certify this election right away. And they did. Right. Father, do you think I, there's anything to that? I think that's a bullseye. I think that's a bullseye. And, and that's exactly what happened. The, the, the Republicans that were most vociferous about their intention to go in there and give some opposition, it all collapsed. It all it's collapsed. almost as though they had to say their mea culpas. Yeah. How could I have resisted yeah. this? Look what happened. Yes. These Trump supporters are horrible people. Yeah. Yeah. Am I right? Didn't the proceedings begin that day, though? I think they did. I, I, I thought there was some opposition. I think there were some Republicans who did, and, and then then the proceeding stopped. And then when it was over, it was all just withdrawn, and everyone laid down. It was over. And I, I think, Father, I think that was a bullseye. And you know, it also goes with the narrative. You talk about the big lie. You know, the use of the word insurrection. Just the, the 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 prevailing use of the word insurrection and the, calling the people rioters, and there there might have been there there might have been fifty or so real rioters there out of I'm, I don't I have no many idea how many people were there, mm. but that insurrection label and as someone commented it's the first insurrection against a government in history where everyone showed up without weapons, mm. right. But that doesn't stop them from using that. I mean, the, the fact that it was an insurrection is a given now in the minds of most of the political left and the mass media.
<laughs> so that's right. They needed you can't question. They needed to have an insurrection, to so so that the political opposite, the true opposition, would collapse. And uh, I, I think historically, what you described is is more than a theory. I think it's what happened. Yeah. Well, that makes two of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what are we what are we supposed to do about this though? Father, Mr. Gannett, I mean, if the, uh, you know, this is the lie the media is so... Well, I think what, what Tom is saying is don't let that stop you from exercising your God-given rights and uh, doing your duty, you know, as a Catholic and as an American who wants the best for your country. Um, I mean, you have to be prudent, right? Our Lord right. said, be shrewd as serpents, but uh, guileless as doves. So we have to be honest and straightforward in the practice of our faith. And uh, doing what's right, and, and I agree with you totally, Tom. You'd think that these uh, conservative Christian organizations would have banded together and said, "This must not pass," right. and we have to link arms in this and say uh, that uh, you, you have political prisoners right now who are being persecuted simply because, really, because of their faith. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it comes right down to, and we're not going to tolerate that. Uh, we're going to oppose this in every way we can. And, um, I mean, th there have been politicians, uh, I think some Republicans, have gone into the prisoners and visit visited the prisons and talked to the prisoners themselves, right, and have come away saying the conditions are horrible right, right? and uh, unacceptable. They might have even said unconstitutional, I don't know. But why there isn't more of a, a drive to um, right this wrong, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe people are afraid they're going to wind up there themselves. Um, but what do you think of the, the talk about Kevin McCarthy having, well, if not Kevin McCarthy himself, but somehow Congress having the power to release them <clears throat> from this political imprisonment? Is that, is that true? Does Congress have the power to do that? I, I've, not, I've not heard that, but um, my, my first lawyer's instinct is uh, that starts getting into a violation of the separation of powers. Mm -hmm. I mean, the judges handle the, the criminal law and the judges issue the orders that everyone's living under, good or bad. I don't know how congressmen can cross over and try to affect with, what the other branch of government is doing. Mm -hmm. Now, could they pass a law? Could they pass some kind of a law that would retroactively apply? Uh, they they could potentially they'd need Biden to sign it, otherwise it's going. What if nowhere. Congress found that there was unconstitutional activity itself? I mean, and the Supreme Court actually generally decides. Right, that, right, that's that's. But could they pass a law that would void these these judgments somehow? I, I don't know. See, I don't I don't think they could do that. You know, but Ed Meese, who was Ronald Reagan's um, Attorney General back in the eighties. Mm -hmm. uh, once created a I was in law school, it created a great furor that Ed Meese stepped forward and said, you know, the president also has the power to decide what's unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's the executive branch of government. It's his job. He, he takes an oath to the Constitution. Mm -hmm. He also can weigh in on what's constitutional. And wow, did the political left get all worked up by that. Mm -hmm. uh, so really, all three branches have a duty to discharge their duties under the Constitution. Well, Congress could vote not to fund the oh, right. They, whatever they want. No, right. you're now. Now you're thinking. 
say, Father, you're thinking like a politician. Oh, I've been, <laughs> but I've been accused of driving like a New York taxi cab driver. So I guess uh, that's the next step. Right? No, but but no, that that is. I think if you're a member of Congress, that's where you, that's where your power is. We're just going to defund them. You know, cut cut the uh, cut all the funding to the D.C. courts and the and, and, and make them release prisoners because we're not they don't have any more money to whatever. Mm. That that's the power. That's what Congress has—the power of the purse is really their first power there. Mm. Um, it, but it's um, but but again, I, I think they I think there's limits on what they could step into the other branch of mm. government and start telling judges what they can do with legislation. Mm. Um, well, <clears throat> your heart goes out to these poor people, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, being held like this all this time in these con con conditions, but just ordinary American people, they were, they were moved there by love for country, really. Right. Hopefully, love for God. So uh, we need to pray for them. Tom, you asked what we can do, and one of the things we really need to carefully pray for them and maybe pursue some of the avenues that you mentioned, Tom, too, right? Um, but I, I think the message you give, too, is not to be afraid to... You know, if you don't if you don't exercise the rights you have from God, and even here as Americans, if you don't, you've effectively forfeited them. So you can't let fear keep you from exercising your rights. Right. You have to do so prudently, of course, but uh, to you know basically uh, live already in bondage as though you, you already had lost your rights, is effectively making it so. Right. It's a self-fulfilling act. Right. You know, I, I, brought it, I brought it pages from a case with me here tonight because it's, it's I think, relevant to, I think, it's, I think in some ways it's got to be relevant to the criminal defense of some of the January 6th prisoners mm -hmm. uh, who, did no, who did nothing violent and who did no clearly overt crime, but were kind of swept up into the middle of things, and they were there to support everything patriotic and good. Um, I, I, there, there's a case, uh, there's a case, and I've got part of the text here, called NAACP versus Claiborne Hardware. It was decided by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1982, and it, it got up there, I think, through the Mississippi courts. It was a long, drawn-out, um, and sometimes violent sequence of events where um, the black population and leaders of Mississippi had organi organized a boycott against a lot of the white businesses that they thought were, you know, racist and excluding them from, you know, persecuting the black population. So it was a long, sustained thing. It ended up in a judgment in Mississippi. I think it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a criminal case, but it was like a money judgment by the, the store owners who sued some of the boycott leaders and got big judgments against a lot of people who were involved in demonstrations and the boycott. And so went to the Supreme Court, and the issue that, I, that they talk a lot about, and the reason I thought I'd raise it here, because there's a definite parallel, about the duty of, a, the, duty of the courts. You, you can't let the fact that some violence happens start tangling up and interfering with people's protected First Amendment activity. And it can be a very messy analysis. You can imagine a big mobs or big things happen on the street. But let me just read a couple of select passages here just because it's, it's good language for, I guess, for me exhorting people, don't quite give up, right? Don't, don't, don't feel like you have to stay away. But also knowing that you're gonna, we're going to be persecuted. 
I mean, at some point, you've got to say, I, I can go be totally lawful and I can get arrested anyway, because that's what the political left is doing now in this country. But just to read a few separate passages from here, um, at one point, the Supreme Court says speech does not lose its protected character simply because it may embarrass others or coerce them into action. As one of the prior justices had explained, it extends to more than abstract discussion unrelated to action. The First Amendment is a charter for government, not for an institution of learning. Free trade in ideas means free trade in the opportunity to persuade to action, not, not merely to describe facts. And elsewhere here they were talking about, but here again, here's elsewhere, the First Amendment does not protect violence. Certainly, violence has no sanctuary in the First Amendment, and the use of weapons, gunpowder, and gasoline may not constitutionally masquerade under the guise of advocacy. Um, although the extent and significance of the violence in this case are vigorously disputed by the parties, there's no question that acts of violence occurred, and no federal rule of law restricts a state from imposing tort liability. That's, of course, civil a civil liability for damages, for business losses that are caused by violence and by threats of violence. When such conduct, occur, conduct occurs in the context of constitutionally protected activity, however, precision of regulation is demanded. Specifically, the presence of activity protected by the First Amendment imposes restraints on the grounds that may give rise to damages and punishment. So they're, they're saying here, you, you, you can't just start throwing a blanket over everybody. You got to target who's committing the crimes and everybody else is engaged in protected activity. And that's, that can be very hard for courts and police officers for that matter. But those are the principles. And, and I think they're being violated really badly in DC in the last two years. That's, that, that's what the group guilt. The group guilt thing. I guarantee you there's a lot of people that got charged that said, I had no idea. Yeah and had no intention to do anything unlawful. They were I, just there. <laughs> I, I was there to be patriotic and, you know, support the, the people I voted for, to stand, yeah. stand firm on these election issues, and, you know, the country's under attack, and we want to show unity, and son of a gun, I walk out of there with charged with three felonies and, you know, seven misdemeanors for walking over in an area, and the crowd got pushy, and I'm, you know, this is, what, this is what a lot of people are being charged mm -hmm. for that. And that's what happens in third world countries and under dictators yep. and tyrants, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the broad brush, right? Well, I'm afraid uh, that's where we're heading if we're not already there. Right. In the country. <clears throat> but I, I appreciate very much your saying, don't be afraid to uh, stand up for what's right. right. <clears throat> and... Uh, well, perhaps there should be some some uh, voice that is raised to try to uh, bring good people together to uh, you know raise a voice against this injustice that's going on right now. Uh, it's awfully hard with the media staying against you, but do you get the impression uh, that people are beginning more and more people are beginning to understand there's something nefarious going on? I do. I do. I mean, I. You know, part part of it is you know what what podcasts are you watching these mm -hmm. days? What news are you looking at? What I mean, um, mm -hmm. but uh, but I, I you know I, to me the most educational thing I feel like I do every day uh, in the secular 
life at least. I thought you were going to say watch what Catholics believe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you when you you know watch, reading conservative some of the conservative websites that link to a lot of stories on everything all over the country, and and reading the readers' views and you know the, the blog yeah. comments, yeah. that is educational to me. That tells me where conservative America is, yeah. and and. Uh, and in response to your question, Father, I, I do, it does, you know, now you know, you don't know who they are, they're all behind their fictitious names, but if that's anything resembling a, a, a true swath of conservative America, well, there's a lot of those people that A, are very funny, <laughs> right. and B, they, they got their finger on the pulse pretty well of what's going on out there. Yeah, you, you have to find those those websites, though, where the comments haven't been turned off. You know? <laughs> right, right. Recently, even on some so-called conservative sites yeah. recently, I know maybe because of that exact point that you're that you're making, a lot of the comment sections yeah. have been totally yeah. turned off. One thing's for sure, those are not bots, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those are not robots. Yeah. There's and, a real thinking people there. Well, we have to pray yeah. for that. Right. And uh, ultimately, we have to ask Almighty God to have mercy on us, right? Uh, we need the grace of faith restored. And, uh, but people, in order to receive the grace of faith, they have to have a love for the truth. And that already is a work of grace. So I have to pray for that. that people have a love for the truth, that they will not fall for the big lie. I mean, you know, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, St. Paul says, What's going to save the elect from being deceived by the greatest deceiver in history, the Antichrist, is that they will have a love for the truth. And that will, as it were, that's the real vaccine against error, lying, cheating, stealing, and all the rest, right? <laughs> Having a love for the truth. That's what we have to have. That's the foundation of faith in us, uh, receiving the true faith. So, of course, you know, we're all traditional Catholics here, so... Uh, we know how important that is to practice the traditional Catholic faith, not to fall for modernism and its new order or anything of the kind, whether it be the new order of religion or the new order of, of, of society, right? Uh, we have to, uh, have to hold the faith and be faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ, the King. Um, so that's ultimately going to be the answer right there. It starts with the individual and it starts in the family. We've got to raise our children right now with a love for truth and a love for our Lord Jesus Christ, their, their king, and have them understand that he is their king, no matter who may call himself a president or who may call himself a prime minister, who may call himself a minister of parliament or whatever. Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the lords of lords. And uh, they have to grow up with that understanding that their absolute allegiance is to him. Amen. Father, thank you. Appreciate it. Mr. Founder, I don't know if you can follow that but yeah, no, I can't, no, I'm not going to follow I that I you know I, I would like to say one thing so okay. something doesn't dangle out there you know okay. I mean my I wouldn't want anyone to misconstrue or read too much into what I said earlier about the many you know Christian civil liberties legal groups that are out there mm -hmm. because I didn't I don't want it to these they as we speak and as we've been speaking the last three or four years, these are the groups that are fighting the battle. They yeah. are challenging the school, suing the school boards, suing over the vaccine mandates, all this stuff. They're they're in the trenches all the way, and I I I I just don't want it to dangle out there that yeah. somehow I was. I, I would like to have seen them, and I would still like to see some of the leaders of those groups who are well-known names in this country, you know, coalesce and, and get something out there. Um, 
over the injustice of DC. But um, I, I, I didn't want it to come off my lips like, oh, they're, they're shirking their responsibilities. They're bad. They're doing great battles every day. Well, Tom, your call here is a trumpet call okay. uh, to muster, right? And hopefully uh, this will be a spark that will ignite that. All right. I'm sure they all watch this show. So. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Connor, thank you for being here. I appreciate your time. Oh, it's great to have it. you. Always good to be here. Have to do it again yeah. soon. Father, yes, indeed. God bless you. Thank you, you very much. Well. God bless you all. Thank you to our viewers for watching this episode of What the Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady at Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you, and God bless you.